0: All right, so
1: what's your problem?
0: You're leaking brown I'm stuff judging. over there. What is that about?
1: It's no. Uh,
0: that's as good as intro it's as any.
1: <laughs> <interesting>.
0: <laughs> Pop culture traffic, David, episode fifty-four, summer twenty fifteen recap, part one. It's nerd
1: you could always speak your mind you work so hard to say what's right i watch you do it all the time And when i called you on the phone you said that i could be the one but here i'm
0: Hello and welcome to episode 54 of Pop Culture Affidavit, a podcast that covers everything random in the world of popular culture, which is brought to you by the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. I'm your host, Tom Panneries. So it's the end of August. The school year has started, which means my podcast and blog output has slowed. But I do have a few things in the works, including this three-part summer of 2015 recap, uh, this is going to conclude a look back at my Disney World vacation and an episode about the 2015 Baltimore Comic Con, and uh, those episodes will be parts two and three. Uh, but here is uh, a bit of a mishmash of different stuff, including some stuff I've recorded with with not one, but two special guests. But before I get to that, I guess I should kind of start at the beginning and talk about my summer. Let's recap the
2: Jeremiah summer, shall we? See what a swell, and decent human being you've been. to listen to this. No, you're gonna to listen to me. Joey Jeremiah spends his summer dating Caitlin. Shut up. And fucking Tessa. Oh, what an ethics. What a hero. Let's have a great big hand, shall we? Big round of applause, hey? Yes, yes alright.
1: <laughs> this has got a really weird sense of humor.
0: Tessa Campanelli? You were fucking Tessa
1: Campanelli?
0: Okay, it wasn't that exciting. But it's been pretty cool, and it's been cool because quite a number of cool st- stuff has happened, both geek and non-geek related. Uh, the big kickoff to everything was that uh, we bought a house. Well, a new house. I had a house, but we bought a new house, and we moved. If you've ever been, if you've been listening to Future Freaks, you've been hearing uh, the Eternal Con coverage, the Comic-Con up in Long Island. I was originally supposed to go to Eternal Con that weekend, but unfortunately, my moving day was the Wednesday before the con, so instead of packing for Long Island, I was packing and unpacking here in Virginia. So, honestly, we moved 10 minutes down the road, but it's... Selling your house and buying another one at the same time and then moving one house to the other It's this process and so many things have to fall in place in order for you to pull it off and I remember it being this surreal sort of experience one that you know is gonna go well But you're just always nervous if that things are gonna go completely wrong and not only that but like throughout July we were gone every weekend, so all the stuff that you think we could have gotten done, like painting and installing things and stuff, um, we're finally getting around to now. I mean, we've unpacked; we've unpacked quite a bit, but it's it's been a little slower. I think both of us both of us realize. So, long story short, no eternal con for me, but. There was a lot of writing, a lot of recording, a lot of attempts to catch myself up with all of the geeky things that I'm very, very behind on. Uh, some of it was recording, and some of that recording, by the way, you can hear on later shows, um, as well as other shows. Um, I am still working on the DC Comics 80 Years Retrospective. It's a little bit behind, um, and hopefully I'll be able to catch up, and what I might do is just try to get them all in before the end of the year and release them all like right after one another, but... We'll see how that goes. Some of the other shows that I was recently on, uh, you can hear me talk about Nightwing's origin on episode 13 of Ryan Daly's Secret Origins podcast. Uh, And Stella recently had me on an episode of Batgirl's Oracle uh, to talk some Suicide Squad. Actually, uh, getting to hang out and grab coffee with Stella was one of the cooler things to happen this summer. In case you're not familiar With us. Um, Stella and I both live in the same city. We live in Charlottesville, Virginia, in that area, and we're both teachers. So we have the summers off. uh, And every once in a while, we would get together for coffee uh, and a couple of hours, and we'd hang out. She actually did something very nice for me this summer. Uh, She found out that Marf Wolfman was going to be at the San Diego Comic Con, and she was going, as she does every year with the press pass, and Uh, Wolfman's policy at at San Diego was at least, you can bring one thing he'll sign for free and then he charges for the other autographs. And so I gave her my copy of the new Teen Titans number 38, which is the Who is Donna Troy issue. I'd already had that signed by George Perez a couple of years ago. So she went and she found him and had him sign it and embarrassed herself by asking Marv Wolfman a weird question about Evil Raven from the new Titans number 100. Uh, but I really, really appreciated it because it was it was very, very nice of her. Uh, in the beginning of August, though, uh, I not only got my chance to hang out with Stella and we did our we did our um, episode of Batgirl at the Oracle that you heard if you've listened to it or you will you can hear if you go over there. But uh, then she and I got together again with Shaq, the irredeemable Shack, and it was. Absolutely awesome. So awesome, in fact, that this is the third episode to cover that meeting, and it is a third part of a three-part podcast crossover. Shag posted the first part about where the three of us talked about our comic book origin stories over on the Fire and Water podcast a couple of weeks ago. Last week, Stella featured our Dick and Corey debate on the latest Batgirls at Oracle, as well as my nerd rant about... um, Pretentious nerds that annoy me. <laughs> and what I have is the random pop culture conversation, which I'll get to right after this. Calabac, Tassad, it is I, Darkseid. I command you to listen to those who podcast, uncover the powers and weaknesses of the super friends so that I may destroy them.
2: Aquaman and Superman, Animal Man and Plastic Man, Firestorm and Nuclear Man, Batman, and Hawkman, 2D Man and Hour Man. Who are all these people, man? They're all part of a DC. Who's who? Ultra Boy and Mr. Gold, Lightning Lass and Hippolyta Phantom, Stranger, Dietrich, and Arisia and Woody Weeks. Hey hey, hey. What? What about that one guy? What guy? Mr. Pretzel, Mr. Lipstick, Mr. Mitzelfuzzle? Mr. Mitzi's Pitlick? Yeah, him. He's also part of the DC. Who's Who? Who's Who? The definitive podcast of the DC Universe. Available monthly at Aquaman Shrine, Firestorm Fan, and on iTunes and Stitcher as part of the Fire and Water Podcast.
1: Sawatee. My name is Stella, and I am the host of Backroll to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Backroll to Oracle is a podcast dedicated to Barbara Gordon, the first woman to hold the mantle of Batgirl for an extended period of time, roughly 1967 to 1988. The goal of Backroll to Oracle is to examine the character's history from her first appearance as Batgirl and continuing through her tenure as Oracle. Each episode looks at a vintage issue of Detective Comics or Batman, as well as other books like Justice League and Freedom Fighters. And modern issues of backroll and birds of prey. I also keep track of news involving Batgirl and other members of the Bat family, and I have a revolving series of segments like Babs in the Tube, which highlights appearances of Babs in TV and film, Shipper Spotlight, which looks at a variety of comic and pop culture couples, gives their history and determines whether they are hot or not, reading with Stella, which could be described as an audio drama, or just me reading a book that relates to Babs or doesn't, and of course, the mainstay literature recommendation. I have been blessed to interview writers Scott Beatty and Chuck Dixon on their Backroll Year One work, Brian Q. Miller on his backroll run, Dwayne Swurzinski and Christy Marks on their separate Birds of Prey work, and the creators and actors of the Backroll Spoiled, the web series. I hope to interview more creators and actors in the future. My goal, most importantly, is to make a fun, entertaining, and thoughtful show that people enjoy and from which they learn. Find the show online at TheBatmanUniverse.net and iTunes, and follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at to Oracle. Thank you, and fly on, Bat's lovers.
0: And I'm back. So, Shag, Stella, and I met at the beginning of August and hung out for a few hours before we went to dinner at a Barnes & Noble and uh, went to dinner at a local Mexican place. Shag and I actually were thwarted in in our attempt to visit our... My LCS because it was closed, uh, so we chilled at Barnes and Noble for at least a couple of hours, and then Stella showed up, and we had a great time. Uh, we didn't actually record the entire time we were we were there together, but um, we did start recording at the Mexican place, or I started recording before them, and then we talked uh, random about random things, comics, pop culture, and the the part of the conversation you're going to hear is the three of us talking about kind of our random go-to movies, the type of things that, you know, you just kind of always go to, will always watch um, at random in a sense that you just like the movies because you like them, not because they're important, quote-unquote, movies. And uh, so that is what you're going to hear right about now. Me, the Redeemable Shag, and Stella at El Puerto, the Mexican restaurant in Charlottesville, Virginia, talking movies. We're coming live from a restaurant in Charlottesville. Um, I've got with me Stella. Ah,
1: yeah, hello.
0: And uh, Shag. The irredeemable Shag.
1: Thank you very much. <laughs>
0: so, um, you're the one who came up with the topic for this, and, and then, uh, so I, I want you to. You explained that uh, we're going to talk about movies, we're going to talk about obscure movies, forgotten films,
2: but uh, you had it phrased better than, than. Well, I was just thinking, since it's a pop culture show, let's pick on pick some movies that are like uh, are, are sort of fan favorite or personal favorite, little known films that you know you may not have heard of or certainly don't get the credit they should. Okay.
0: Why don't let's let Stella go first because she's. A girl. A girl. Okay. A, girl oh, a girly girl. girl. We're being nice.
1: Chivalry She's also a guest,
0: dead. so I'll go last.
1: <coughs> yeah. Well, it's um, it may be referenced sometimes, but I don't think really people understand the art that is showgirls.
2: <laughs> I almost did a Danny Kaye spit take. Oh,
1: oh my I'm God. just kidding. It might be possibly
2: one of the best movies ever made. Oh, it is, it is exactly. camp. It is so campy. Okay, you brought it up. Unfortunately, I mean, now I have to tell a story. Jesse, my, my my dad okay. my dad rents this movie one night for me and him to watch He goes, I heard this movie's good. I'm like, Dad, I can't just sit here and watch this. Like, anyway, please continue, Jesse.
1: I'm just kidding. From well, well, from the Bell. No, my, one of my band uh, teachers always told me that Jesse just like literally probably walked off the the lot of say by the Bell, walked across the street over to uh, Showgirls. Well, there, no, that's not my pick.
0: There's a there's She's a scene at the end of No, I've
1: never seen it.
0: There's a television movie called "Saved by the Bell: Wedding in Vegas." It's you know Zach marries Kelly, Jesse shows up at the very, very, very end of the show. Like literally, like shows up to the wedding late, putting on a bridesmaid's dress. I'm here, I'm here. It looks like she literally walked off the set of Showgirls onto the thing because the hair and makeup was done. And um, there's a scene involving a pool. And Kyle McLaughlin, that is quite possibly the most
2: bizarre scene. I think what he meant was awesome. But anyway. No, like, bizarre. Okay, let's let Stella do her pick.
1: Right. <laughs> My real pick. <laughs> We don't recommend... We here at a Pop Culture Affidavit do not recommend that you rent Showgirls. Especially
2: not with your father.
1: Yeah. Uh, no, what I'm really going to pick, uh, two of them, I guess I'm breaking the rules, but one of them is a cartoon movie that's Rock-A-Doodle <laughs> from 1992. And it was sort of one of those um, live-action meets cartoon films, and it follows this rooster who uh, wakes up the farm in the morning, and then the villain basically... Makes it seem like The farm will get up Without him anyways So So this unfortunate rooster Goes to the city And then has this career But he's really sad And meanwhile This little boy In real life Is reading this story And he actually gets Sucked into the book And helps save The rooster So there's mine I don't
2: remember that part at all
1: (laughs) Edmund The little boy He turns into a cat
2: and he dies, of course right? he does. <laughs> he
1: dies. <laughs> but then he's returned to a little boy. Uh, so there's my cartoon pick because you know people love Disney, but they may not know Rock and Doodle. My live action pick uh, is Sliding Doors with Gwyneth oh, yeah. Paltrow, and uh, I remember seeing this just on a whim with my mother. at sort of an art house film that uh, we have where she lives, and I just really liked it. And it's just this idea that you know, what if you miss the train? That was the whole premise. That Uh, Her character missed the train at one point But then they also showed What if she got on the train So she got on the train And she found out that I think it's her fiancé um, was cheating on her And so you see that part of her life And then you see her If she didn't get on the train So it's it's very much like a comic book sort of film If there's like an Earth 1 and Earth 2 Like what if situation But um, yeah I don't want to spoil what happens at the end But I just think it, it was very An intriguing idea And whenever I see it's on I like to watch it So These two guys knew what it was But I don't know if other people know it does But a lesser known Gwyneth Paltrow film
2: I only know what it is because I used to manage movie theaters, and it was playing in my theater.
1: It it had a
0: run on cable for a while shortly after it came out on video, where it would show up on uh, VH1 or like some of the channels that would that would run movies like that. So I've seen I have never seen the whole movie all the way through, but I've seen parts of it enough to know it. And it, it, from what I saw, it seemed like a pretty decent movie. And I'm not a huge Gwyneth Paltrow fan so that's actually saying a lot until for years my favorite Gwyneth Paltrow Matt, the movie was Senator <laughs> that's not nice no it's not very
1: nice
2: I like Shakespeare in Love Shakespeare in Love wasn't bad I don't think it deserved Oscar she gets naked in it she's hot I had to work it in somehow
1: <laughs> I don't think you worked it oh maybe you did to my <laughs> show I was gonna say maybe you didn't
0: You have a mix for that.
1: The Day the Earth Stood Still is when Shag goes on a show and doesn't say she's hot once.
0: Speaking of good movies. (laughs) It's a great movie.
2: Alright, Keanu Reeves' version? No. Pretend that one doesn't exist. Uh, My pick is uh, it's the best John Hughes movie that John Hughes did not make. It's called Fandango. Wow, I stumped Tom. I know I stumped Stella, but... Uh, came out about 84, 85, 86, somewhere in that realm. Mm-hmm. Now, notice what I said best John Hughes movie that wasn't made by John Hughes. Yeah, yeah, H- okay. yeah. Had uh, Kevin Cosner, okay. Judd Nelson, okay. and like other people. <laughs> Nothing. And it's, it's about five guys that are friends in college. And it takes place in the 70s. And they're about to graduate from college and they get their draft notices. And they're going to have to go to Vietnam. And so the Kevin Cosner character, who's a slacker, <coughs> talks him into going on one more road trip before they have to go in oh, for the, the draft. draft. The last great adventure time. Exactly. And Judd Nelson <coughs> is a hardcore ROTC sort of whiny chicken guy who thinks that the only reason they're going on this road trip is to dodge the draft, because the, the trip will take them into Mexico. Oh, okay. And so he only agrees to go along to make sure they don't dodge the draft. And so it's the story of their adventure together, um, and one guy sleeps through the whole movie, literally in the back window of the car sleep the whole film and another guy's reading Hulk comic books so there's a comic book tie in for you and they drive to Mexico and they have all kinds of crazy adventures I don't want to spoil it but there's a plane and a train I'll just leave it at that um, and, a, and, a, and a wedding and then um, that's, that's, I'll leave it there great movie I, I, I don't know if it was filmed right before I mean right after Breakfast Club maybe after Breakfast Club but before it was released maybe I'm not sure because I don't think Judd Nelson was a household name yet in fact, he has a know. buzz cut in it. It's really strange. Interesting. Uh, man, I love that movie. I mean, has sh- it, it held up? I can't promise you that. And if you Google Fandango,
0: you're just going to find the, the movie Is ticket that, sales yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That'd be
1: good for you, though, for your show. That
0: would be, because like I said, this was actually a hard question to answer because I had to think of movies I haven't already looked at at one place or another because there are certain go-to movies that I have... And there are certain movies that you put on for background noise in you know and and you're um, and then I'm like, well and then so I started going through the list and I'm like, well I've covered that, I've covered that, well everybody knows this song this one or that. Um, <coughs> I can probably <laughs> pull up people don't cough in your state? I probably pull up two. They're ensemble movies from the late nineties. One of them is Pretty well known. The other one is like probably known, but
1: yeah.
0: some people. Are, um, Showgirls is not involved, and I don't know what the hell. No, I, <laughs> oh, I, I, I made my guess. Okay, um, the first one is "Can't Hardly Wait." Oh I, nailed I nailed it! I nailed it! I nailed it! Because a. <laughs> shared, it, it, it takes its title from an
1: Would awesome Jennifer
0: replacement Love song. Hewitt? One of my favorite bands. Jennifer
1: going? Love Hewitt?
0: Here's the thing. Oh, yeah. I am okay. not a fan I mean, of yeah. Jennifer Love yeah. Hewitt, but it is a really well done movie. And on awesome. with
1: the, the guys' got Yeah, it is awesome. okay. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Seth
0: Green. Seth Green, who's the bridge between the 80s and 90s of... Um, uh, Team movies because he's, oh. he's Chucky e. Miller the little brother in Can't Buy Me Love that's clever yeah. okay so give that. Um, but give uh, that but yeah it's basically a gra- it's, it's a graduation party movie and it's just all this crap happens at a graduation party and it's one of those movies that like I have it on VHS I bought it out of like a five dollar VHS bin and you know used copy and it, it will suck you in, and and it's it's really really well well done. Um, feels like a John Hughes movie. Also. Feels like a John Hughes movie. Also has a, has a lot of the same vibe as something like Empire Records, which is another movie that is absolutely awesome. So, the other movie like this, the other movie like this that I actually do plan on covering sometime later, I'll probably cover Can't Hardly Wait at some point. Two hundred cigarettes. Heard <laughs> heard that one. It is an ensemble movie from about 98 99. It takes place on yeah. New Year's Eve in 1981. And it's uh, Paul Rudd, Courtney Love, Ben Affleck. Uh, Wait, what's his Kate G- Hudson's H- in it. What, what movie? 200 200 cigarettes. Okay. Paul Rudd, Courtney Love, uh, Ben Affleck, Geneva Rofalo. Uh, who else? Is the same um, cast of Wet, Hot American Summer? There are some similarities. <laughs> um, uh, Kate Hudson is, has a small part in it, Jay Moore. Um, Goodness gracious. Casey Affleck is in it as well. This is uh, quite the cast. Christina Ricci, Dave Chappelle. The Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders. Gabby Hobbit. Oh, it's totally... <laughs> Martha Plumpton is in it. And Martha Plumpton from The Goonies. Oh. She's
2: okay. in... Um, the Mom? Bill no, late. no, 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 no. The blonde, teenager, girl. Oh, um, oh I didn't she's know on uh,
0: What's the Fox show? She's on um, Raising Hope. You're not going to Uh, give me that, but I know who you're talking about when you say she steals. She steals the movie. The whole premise of the movie is that she is throwing a party, a New Year's Eve party. But it's every the whole story of the movie is everything leading up to the party. It's one of those kind of plotless ensemble movies, and then you know everybody. The last shot of the film is them somebody arriving at the party. The party's going, but you know so there's this person hooking up with this person. Martha Plimpton has this slow burn falling apart because it's 8 o'clock it's 9 o'clock nobody's showing up and at one point she turns to her roommate and says this party is breaking the me. I mean it's just one of the best performances on screen but it is I, my friend Laura and I are going to cover it at some point because it's just one of those movies that again I saw it in the theater because yeah. why is it called
2: 200 Cigarettes?
0: Everybody smokes in the movie, and oh. I think I—I th- I don't know if you can count 200 cigarettes in the movie, but it's kind of this—you <laughs> okay. know—smoking is a thing, and it's. Tom's it, got a thing for parties. No, I'm, yeah, I'm not actually not a party person. And... It, it came in at the tail end of that 80s, um, that 80s revival, and in, in the mid 90s, that was yeah. like uh, the Wedding Singer and those sort of yeah. types of movies. So, it's worth checking out. It was, if if we were still had video stores around, I'd say it's worth the rental. Play it on Amazon Prime. Yeah, but <laughs> that or can't hardly wait. And I, I'll tack Empire Records onto that because that's another movie. It's just like cheesy teen ensemble cult movies that like
2: you know. Really, really worth watching. I wholly endorse Can't Hardly Wait. Yeah. Absolutely love it. I tried to rent Empire Records back in the days of video rentals. I get home, I open the box, and it's got its pat.
1: Oh, God. Instead,
2: the Saturday Night Live terrible. Oh, no. Yeah. Didn't that movie make like five bucks? Apparently, three more off me because of rental. Uh, Didn't watch it, though. Good. uh, So I've I've never seen Empire Records. I tried, though. I put forward an effort. Have you seen Can't Hardly Wait?
1: Yes. I have. Have you guys seen Mystery Men?
2: No Yes Ginny really? Garofalo Yeah yep. and, and Ben Stiller's in it yeah. Just like yeah I know the movie A really
1: kooky superhero yeah, this is very <laughs> strange like the, Yeah Was
2: the it superhero. based on a
0: Dark Horse comic Like Flaming Carrot Or one of those I think characters? it was based on a
2: uh, yeah. I think it was Dark Horse I think it <laughs> yeah. was Very loosely though Yeah But um that was following up on the heels of like um, some of the Batman like maybe the second or third Batman movie yeah. so didn't do well because we had that at my theater when I was managing the, yeah. it came out at the same time as can't hardly wait really and, uh, or at least that same era this would have been yeah like Batman forever Batman and 97 yeah. kind of ish yeah but um, didn't get a lot of good reception have, have you watched it recently yeah. was it entertaining
1: no, I was just thinking about that that that's something that uh, my mom and I really liked and I think that's sort of like a cult classic almost too yep. but if you think great about cast that, yeah
2: uh, who's the shoveler? Uh, um, you know, the guy from ER. Uh, never mind. Wasn't
1: William H. Macy? That's in the, the shoveler. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I know Greg
2: Kinnear's in it as well, right? Yeah. Probably. There's yeah, like crazy
1: that would seem to make stuff, sense. Yeah.
0: There's the guy who thinks he's invisible. Yeah. <laughs> You mentioned What Hot American Summer. Um, I watched the first four episodes of oh, the, the Netflix? Netflix series over the weekend. It's really funny. <laughs> uh, we're probably going to watch the second
2: four at some point in the next few nights. It's. I didn't even know what it was. I'd never even heard of the original movie until the Netflix. Like, I go on I Netflix, see. had the commercial for the new thing, so yeah. I went and watched the trailer for the old one, which sounds a lot like your two hundred cigarettes. The, yeah. the retro, but it's 80s but it's, it's it's awful. <laughs> yeah. it,
0: it is looks um, ridiculous, w- crazy. I saw it when it first came out on video back in the early two thousands because uh, my wife and I were big fans of the state. Okay, yeah. And that's Mr. Canoehead's
2: one of my personal favorites. Yes, Walter and Wiener. That's that's the Wet Hot American Summer is the state. Oh I've got the frantic I'm mixing the frantics and the state. I'm sorry. Yeah the state uh, is um Muppets.
0: Blue Meat. Yes. Yeah. Which comes right after the uh, superhero, superhero one superhero one. Aquaman go yes. talk to some fish. fish. Take yeah. that Rob. Yeah, so, and uh, Barry <laughs> and LeVon.
2: Uh, and and Louis. Have you seen this Wet Hot American Summer on Netflix thing yet? No. Go to Netflix. Yeah, there's yeah. a trailer for their thing out there. Just well, I've seen it.
1: the trailer. And yeah. I've seen pieces of the movie when it's yeah. been on. Which is supposed oh,
0: yeah. the to be a spook of meatballs oh, yeah. and like those type of movies. And you're not <laughs> so supposed to take it very you know? seriously. It's so. so, so funny. Yeah, it's so <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. And they're not playing it straight at all. It's, right. it's meant to be absurd. So if you, you can go look up any past episodes right. of this if you want early early 90s sketch comedy. It's hard to find, though, isn't it? They put
2: out a DVD a few years ago. Okay.
0: um, Because they finally were able
2: to get the the rights worked out. I wanted that superhero sketch for... I mean, this is all pre-YouTube days, but I wanted that superhero sketch so bad. And the the Muppet sketch. Show me near. Show me far. (laughs) So funny. Nothing like repeating sketch comedy jokes.
0: No, that, that was the Oh yeah, from Louis, the the Baron sketch and the "I want to dip my balls in it" from Louis were something we said in high school all the time. The other sketch show from the early nineties that we're going off on of a tangent, which is a trademark of mine, um, the Ben Stiller show. We have
1: that in common. What? You both ramble. We oh, yeah. have that in common.
2: <laughs> so we're both old men. Oh my God! We you two will ramble someday, young
0: lady. Yes.
1: While wearing an, on belt, what? Or wearing
0: an onion on your belt, because yeah. that's the style. What? We're wearing an onion on your belt. It's the style. It's a Grandpa Simpson. Okay. okay, I'm not a Simpsons guy. Yeah. Smithers, get me some
1: strike breakers the kind they had in the '30s. We can't bust heads like we used to, but we have our ways. Oh, well, you got it. One trick is to tell them stories that don't go anywhere. Like the time I caught the ferry over to Shelbyville. I needed a new heel for my shoe. So I decided to go to Morganville, which is what they call Shelbyville in those days. So I tied an onion to my belt, which was the style at the time. Now, to take the ferry cost a nickel. And in those days, nickels had pictures of bumblebees on them. Give me five bees for a quarter, you'd say. Now, where were we? Oh, yeah. The important thing was that I had an onion on my belt which was the style at the time. They didn't have white onions because of the war.
0: Um, the Ben Stiller show. That was good.
2: That was good. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to think of the other. The State was a, state was my choice. Of, yeah. It was my skit show. Choice. Kids in the Hall. Kids in the Hall. That, was, was, that was always fun. Um, there were
0: a couple other ones that were... Man. yeah but, uh, but yeah Kids in, the Hall was, Kids in the Hall was on like at one o'clock in the morning where I live, so I would I would catch it or I would, would tape it every once in a while and, and then those years Saturday Night Live where actually stayed up and watch the show so that was the Farley Sandler oh,
2: Okay. okay yeah. well, the, the state if you look back at the cast if you're not familiar with the state which I'm assuming I have no idea what we're talking about you go back and look at the cast and see where they all are now you would be like oh I know who, a bunch of these people. Tom Lennon came from the state. Yeah. Um, the guy from Reno 911 and every other Yeah, a bunch of show. them were
0: on Reno yep. 911 because of uh, the same you know, the,
2: That one guy whose name I don't know that was on uh, Ed in like a million other shows. Uh, yeah. With the brown hair, he's on it. Anyway, it doesn't yeah. help if I can't come up with guy's name. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, Joe
0: LaTrulio is on, on Brooklyn Nine-Nine as Andy uh, Sandberg's sort of toady sidekick. Oh, the state. Yeah, oh, good.
1: Sure. So. I think that's a good
0: good point to end what'll be a nice little segment. So All thank right. you guys for coming on. We've been if you're listening to this, you're only catching about um, what looks like um, I don't know. Twelve minutes of what was hours worth of conversation, it's all been leading as, to this moment. Oh, yeah, save God, me, now am
2: I This wait. It's been leading to this. Us uh, so, having not to record with you anymore. That's what's been oh, leading thank to. Thank you, you
0: very much. Uh-oh. Well, <laughs> thank you for coming on. I'll be sure to plug your uh, your shows. Who's, Our little shows. Who is
1: the best uh, show that you? <laughs> <laughs>
0: And I'd like to thank Stella and Shag for hanging out with me. I really had a lot of fun, and I, I really appreciated uh, Shag's being able to come out and see both of us. I want to do more stuff like that uh, live recording. I know it's kind of ripping off the Dinner for Geeks format, but it's it's really, really fun to do, to be completely honest. I'm going to take a break right here, and uh, when I get back, I have listener feedback. In 1977, The world changed. The film industry was transformed. The popular culture rocked. And young minds forever altered. Star Wars arrived. And nothing would ever be the same again. Though everyone wasn't affected in the same way, everyone was affected. This is My Star Wars Story. My Star Wars Story. Monthly at mystarwarsstory.com And once again, I'm back. Uh, I have one piece of listener feedback. It's about the Softacular. The title of the email is The Soft Parade. Uh, wait, from Luke Jackinetti You just got to say that name right, like that, right? <laughs> right? Anyway, Luke writes in Tom, just finished listening to your soft tacular and while I lean very much more heavily toward heavy metal than anything else, this was a fun listening experience for me. I grew up in New York as well, but in the Westchester Putnam area rather than Long Island. Uh, if you are, un- this is me breaking from the email here. Really here, quickly here. If you are unfamiliar with the New York City metropolitan area, um, Long Island. If you're, you're if you're sitting in Manhattan, New York City, Long Island is to the east. It's uh, you know Manhattan and then Brooklyn Queens are physically on the island known as Long Island, and then you have Suffolk and Nassau County. Westchester is in New York State to the direct north. Um, you have Manhattan, the Bronx, I believe Yonkers is at the top of that and then Westchester and Putnam County like are as you go upstate north upstate along the Hudson as opposed to east along the along the Sound of the Bay. So that's just a little bit of a geographical reference there for you. Back to Luke's email. I still listen to Z100 though, as well as WPLJ 90, 955 though. The relevant stations we listen to the most were Magic 105.5 WMVJV And I remember that. I remember that station, too. Uh, Which was adult contemporary pretty much as long as I was living there, switching to oldies when I was in high school. And WHUD, which remains AC to this day. Those are my mom's go-to stations. So when she drove us into school or whatnot, that's what we listened to. My father almost never played the radio. If we were driving somewhere with my father, he was playing an album. And half the time, those albums were film soundtracks. So my car riding playlist often considered consisted of the soundtrack to Raiders of the Lost Ark, the Star Wars trilogy, Temple of Doom, or later stuff by Danny Elfman, including his compilation Music for a Darkened Theater. When it wasn't genre soundtracks, Dad would play the current bands he liked, hence why I have such affection for Thompson Twins and Genesis. Into the Gap, Here's to Future Days, and Invisible Touch were on near-constant rotation when we rode my, with my dad. From there, Dad moved it to New Age slash contemporary adult instrumental, so Yanni and David Arkenstone joined the lineup. And he did have a taste for some rocking stuff, including the Moody Blues, Pink Floyd, and believe it or not, the Alan Parsons Project. Just to break from Luke's email for a second, Look that actually sounds like a really fun car ride. Um, I, like I said, I, and I know you'll get into your to it in a minute, my dad started listening listen to country at some point, just, oh my god. When I was a little kid, though, um... I, I remember, and then I think he stopped listening to her. We never really—I never heard enough of her, and never really registered I mean, my dad was, used to listen to Stern in when Stern was in the afternoons back in like the early to mid '80s. I want to say he was on WABC radio, um, and uh, I remember that, and I remember it was back in the days when he was in the same. Station is Imus because I remember Imus as well, uh, but yeah, my dad, my parents with the music not so much. Although we did listen to the only the only other station that I didn't mention in the soft softacular episode was CBS uh, WCBS FM. I think it's WCBS FM one hundred one uh, point one, which was an oldies station which had DJs like Cousin Brucie, and I I would probably do an oldies episode because a lot of my music education in itself, comes from listening to the oldies and stuff like that. So I've always had an appreciation for for that music. But, but back, back to Luke's email. Anyway, I enjoyed this episode because I do enjoy light rock, understanding that your tongue was planted very firmly in your cheek there. But I'll take most of these songs any day of the week above what passes for top 40 and even AC nowadays, which is entirely too much drum machine sampling and poor lyrical content for my taste, not to mention the increased emphasis on vulgarity. And Luke, I agree with you. There's there's not a lot of contemporary pop music that I particularly listen to. And a lot of it is rock oriented. Um and yeah, I was being very tongue-in-cheek. And there are a number of songs, in fact I went back and I told Luke I went back and re-listened to the episode just to hear the music. Because there are a lot of the songs I played in there I actually kind of like uh, there's a couple that I'm just like, I don't think I'm going to listen to this. but Anyway, even country, Luke says, the most common form here in upstate North South Carolina. And Luke, I totally hear you. I teach in a high school in Central Virginia. I've got a lot of country fans as students. Is dominated by country bros, trademark, singing about tailgates, beer, and quote, pretty things. Power pop slash country crossover acts are by girl power fronted bands, which could have been post-Seattle alternative if their singer had a different accent. That stuff is all just murder on Music Row, if you catch my drift. Country is essentially unrecognizable in, in a matter of ways now. I hate to sound like, quote, that guy, but country used to be about real men and real women who love them, not party rock anthems and Daisy Dukes. But I digress. Yeah. Um, there's a reality show that The Soup keeps showing clips of called Party Down South, and that's all I can think of whenever I have to listen to like modern day country music, either at a high school dance down here or when I like pull into sheets and get gas. And the music is like, you know, save our horse, ride a cowboy, or we're going to go drink out of the keg in the back of the pickup truck. And it's like good times, man. It's, it's, it is. It's like the party. It's like, it's like somebody decided. To take like melon camp, like '80s melon camp, like a song like Cherry Bomb or Rudy Toot Toot or stuff off of the Lonesome Jubilee, but take out all of the sort of you know irony or, or, or sad undertones to some of the stuff, and just give it to Poison and, and there you go, I mean, it's, and it's so, some of it's so awful, I mean, sorry, country is just a genre, this sort of country is a genre that I uh, cannot stand, Uh, classic country music on the lines of maybe Johnny Cash, or Willie Nelson, or Dolly Parton, or Patsy Cline, I can, there's some of it that I enjoy, and there's some of it that um, I don't necessarily hate, but just won't listen to, so Anyway, but I digress as well and get back to Luke's email here as he says, As Swan said in Phantom of the Paradise, the music Philbin, listen to the music. I do have to ask, what is your issue with Foreigner? Blue morning, blue day, urgent jukebox hero, and that was yesterday. Double vision, cold as ice, head games, heart turns to stone, good songs all around. Barry Manilow, though? I'm right there with you. Yeah, I've had this conversation with my wife and a number of other people. I think I'm ready to rescind my feelings on Foreigner. However, maybe I'll replace Foreigner with Nickelback. Please don't. Tried to defend Nickelback to me. No. A good portion of the songs I either did or did not remember or half remembered, Luke says. Making Love Out of Nothing at All, the one from Superman the Movie and Key Largo. Do not remember these being any sort of rotation, honestly. I did have to laugh at Air Supplies just before listening to your episode. I listened to the long play episode covering Battle of Hell with Professor Alan Middleton and Michael Bailey. So the Steinman connection was very strong indeed. And if you haven't listened to the... Uh, bad out of hell episode about of long play go and listen to it guys it's really really good the better light rock of the era is much immediate in my mind i am glad you choose your words carefully when talking about christopher cross as i would brook no or at least most very little bashing of christopher cross His debut album deserved the Grammy at one for album of the year, as it is one of the best light rock albums ever. The only real knock on it is the fact that it is in fact light rock. The singles are well known, but the album cuts on the self-titled record are really strong and hold up. Poor Shirley, The Light Is On, and Minstrel Gigolo all could have been singles in their own right. Cross's strength is that he is a heck of a musician, so he has the chops to pull off some of the stuff which would be just silly in other hands. Ride Like the Wind would be a corny train wreck. By any number of other singers, but works really f- well for Cross despite its inherent cheesiness. He sings and plays it very straight, giving it a certain gravitas which works in his favor. To this day, I keep either his debut album or greatest hits in my car, it's the perfect soundtrack for driving home after a stressful day at work. There is a reason why not one but two episodes of The Vault of Starly Monster horror-, horror Tales of Terror use Christopher Cross songs for their outro. Now if you'll excuse me, I need to go queue up my afternoon jam. Sailing takes me away to where I'm always. Luke. Um, you know, the funny thing is, Luke, I, th- it's just, uh, I had to put Christopher Cross on a light rock uh, countdown. And I actually like the song Sailing. Uh, believe it or not, before recording this, I heard it in the supermarket when I was going to buy ice cream. Um, and the reason I... I said the reason I used the Arthur's theme was because that was the one I was familiar with before sailing, uh, mainly because it came out later and 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 uh, it was just I guess it was just the age and the timing. And we actually had to sing sailing in fifth grade select chorus. I remember singing that song, and that's when I actually liked the song. I had never heard the actual song prior to that, but it was really cool. Anyway, Cross Christopher Cross just basically became like. Um, almost the symbol of light rock in a way. I think the only other person would be maybe Barry Manilow, but Manilow is like a, even a different kind of level of, of cheesy light rock. This is sort of a... Because I think Christopher Cross was just so popular. And you're right, though. He is a great musician, and that's why he had staying power beyond a one-hit wonder. Um, I even replied... That, you know, like I said, I listened to the episode last week just to hear the music, and the only song that I think I really wanted to skip was that Benny Mardonez song, that if she's just 16 years old... I mean, that song is creepy and skeezy. But Mardonez never really had another hit, whereas Cross has enough for a Greatest Hits compilation. And and I think you're right. Um, I like lighter music. I liked lighter music even as early as high school. Uh, when I, and I mentioned that whole thing about the Righteous Brothers tape and everything. And I had an Elton John CD. I had a, I love me some Elton John. And I had, you know, because Billy Joel, where I come from is passable, no matter what type of music you listen to, because it is Long Island, but like, you know, Elton John and I, and I listened to, I had on tapes, I had, you know, various, um, I had Hall and Oates and I had various other groups. Um, to this day it's not necessarily right light rock it's kind of that folk folk rock singer songwriter thing that's my um choice of, of genre when i'm not listening to something like like punk like you went metal i went punk i never actually looked the punk role by the way i just listened to the music um but yeah so i i like a lot of punk and and and, and indie stuff um Everything from Green Day and the Clash and, and the Ramones, the, the replacements, I love the replacements. But whereas you kind of hitch yourself to Christopher Cross, my go-to to start with, the one that, that I kind of latched on very, very young, was Paul Simon. Uh, my parents had, it's probably because my parents had Graceland on tape, and I stole that tape too. Uh, after they bought the CD player, and they really weren't listening to tapes anymore, and I wore that tape out, and then eventually bought the album on CD um but from Paul Simon went to Simon and Garfunkel and really have an appreciation for Simon and Garfunkel Paul Simon um Carol King some James Taylor not a lot uh haven't gotten too into Joni Mitchell do love of course Dylan uh, and of course, you know, Billy Joel, and then, you know, so, and then I'll listen to indie folk acts, um, Eddie from Ohio, which is a, which is a Virginia, <laughs> you know, popular Virginia band. Um, uh, a couple of, one, a recent discovery of mine within the last year or two is a band out of Newfoundland called the fortunate ones, which is a folk rock, mostly folk group duo. That's, that's really, really good. Um, so I totally get it. And I was like I said, I was having a little fun with it, but it also comes from a genuine place too, because um there's a specific image I have in my head when listening to the song, and it's the those songs that, and it's that drive and and being a kid and having to go to my grandmother's house and that sort of stuff and and so i in fact I even messaged told my sister and You know the two of us. It's just um, she went to see Hall and Oates a couple a few weeks ago at Jones Beach, and snapped a picture and and texted it to me and said it's like just like being in the car with mom and dad. And so that's where it was coming from. And I was having a little fun with it. And I'm glad you you totally got that. And I'm 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 actually glad that that you wrote the email because um, you're not the only person who admitted sheepishly or not that they were kind of singing along to what they were listening to my friend Laura I think uh, either tw- tweeted at me or commented on a on the Facebook post for the uh, or the show notes or something that she found herself singing along to quite a number of these songs and stuff and, and that's what was so fun about putting the soft tacular together uh, and that's why I like that's honestly why I like those countdown shows they're actually they're easy to compile they are. And any one of us who's done these things lately can tell you they're tedious to do because you just got to do all the clips and everything. And I kind of got them down to a science now. But um, they are a lot of fun. And and playlist episodes are, are a lot of fun as well. So uh, thanks for writing in, Luke. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying the show. And hopefully the next time I have a have a, um, a countdown episode, you, guys, you and everybody else will enjoy that as well um that's really about it i do want to end with uh, a couple of recommendations one of the things i absolutely love about being a podcaster is that uh, when i don't have the time to record podcasts i've been listening to a ton of podcasts two of my favorite podcasts of all time are ending soon so i want to give a shout out first to sean engel and just one of the guys who is going to be wrapping up his run within a couple of weeks, actually. I just listened to, I think it was 179, episode 179, I think there's 181 episodes, so I know he's recorded the last episode already, so, uh, and I didn't get a chance to write in to get my feedback on the air, but I wanted to just send him um, some appreciation because it's been an amazing show that came out every week for 181, going on 181 weeks. Uh, he had me on one episode way back in the early part of the Kyle Rayner run, and I Absolutely loved it, and I absolutely had a great time. So uh, thank you again, Sean, for everything. Thank you for being able to cover all of US1. Uh, that hypno-whip sound effect still cracks me up, and uh, and am excited to see what you've got planned next. Same thing, uh, Andy Leyland. Andy and Michael Leyland are soon, I don't know when off the top of my head, but soon going to be ending Hey Kids Comics because Michael's headed off to uh, university, college, university, um, higher education as, as we would say. Um, and that was, that was always their thing. You know, we're going to end this when you leave. And now Andrew's, Andy's got the palace of glittering delights, which, uh, he's jokingly referred to as a sister show to this. And I really do appreciate that because it is, it's very much a, Andy takes a look at something random that he absolutely loves. And, that's why I love this format for this show, too, because you can just do something you really, really love. And, and if you haven't been listening to Palace of Glittering Delights, please go listen to that. It is absolutely amazeballs. Um, and Andy and Michael have put together one of the consistently best podcasts I've ever heard. Um, I have to make a note to write in before they do go off the air, because uh, they're they're just they have a great chemistry. It's great to hear a father and son. It's been great to listen to Michael, Michael grow up. Um, they've they've reviewed things that I never heard of that I ended up going out and buying or seeking out and reading. And uh, it has been a very, very fun listen for the past few years. So Best of luck to Andy, best of luck to Michael, and uh, again, you guys are great. Um, A couple of podcast recommendations that I can recommend that I've been picked up that are not Two True Freaks related. There are plenty of great Two True Freaks podcasts out there, but if you're listening to this from the Two True Freaks gang, you guys know... I have I just I've gotten sucked into a couple of American history uh, and NPR podcasts. Um, way back earlier in the year, a coworker recommended Serial, the uh, American This American Life spinoff podcast, uh, where uh, Rebecca Canning was taking a look at this murder case. And it, episode by episode by episode, and it's just it's engrossing. It's so so good. I would check that out. I would also check out This American Life the podcast. Um, I am not a person who can listen to NPR live, yet I will listen to that podcast because it's just fascinating stories about people. Uh, If you're into American history, the podcast called Backstory, it's by a couple of history professors who are at the University of Virginia down the road here in Charlottesville. Uh, They cover uh, one topic about American history and give you a, well, complete backstory about it. Uh, over the course of an episode another one if you want a little more local history um, and you're from the new york area is the bowery boys podcast they do a new york city history podcast that's going on oh i think a couple hundred episodes by now and they do the same thing they take one topic one place one incident in new york city history and they do a very very thorough recap of it it's really really great stuff Entertainment wise, um, I cannot recommend enough the Extra Hot Great podcast. Uh, it is run by David T. Cole, Tara Ariano, and Sarah D. Bunting, who was on Sarah Bunting was on the show back way back in issue thirty four or thirty five, my so called life retrospective. Uh, every week they take a look at what's going on television this week. They have a running thing called the Canon, where somebody brings them a television episode they did deem its worthiness in the canon of of extra hot grade, and it's it's actually really fun to listen to uh to that segment and my favorite segment is the ending segment of every episode which is a game time it's a television trivia game time which is always fun to play along with um the type of thing where i'm like always getting stuff right and i figured if i was but but you have that thought in your head like if i was ever actually on this show to do game time i'd get my butt kicked because i'd freeze up um also, a spin-off of that is a, is a podcast called Again With This. Sarah Bunding and Terry Ariano are taking a look episode by episode at Beverly Hills 90210. It is hilarious. And they post, they have the show notes are all gifs and stuff. And I mean, even if you weren't a fan of the show, give at least one episode a try. It is absolutely hilarious stuff. And uh, one more that I'd like to plug. Um, uh... Person I went to high school with Jesse Seepersad, uh, who lives out in LA and and has done work as an you know, artist, director, DJ, etc. Has a podcast that she just debuted called One Dance with Seeps. Uh, it seems like she she does like almost like a dual episode where she will have a one on one with a friend of hers, an entertainer of some sort, and then an accompanying episode which is a mixtape of sorts. And the first mixtape I listened to all the way through, it was all of this early 90s R&B hip hop, you know, late 80s, early 90s R&B hip hop stuff that I remember from junior high and early high school. Didn't necessarily listen to, but I found myself like really, really getting into it. So um, just stuff that if you're looking for a quick, refreshing change from the usual geekery, I'm happy to provide. So those are some recommendations I just wanted to make. Otherwise, this is probably the shortest of the three episodes that we're gonna that I'm going to be doing for the summer recap spectacular. As it is, uh, next episode I'm I'm still putting it together. Actually, I am going to be recapping my vacation to Walt Disney World, uh, which I took this summer. It was the second year in a row, so I'll be talking about the first year and second year we did this, and then the third part. Which will be, uh, that part will be out probably in a couple of weeks. The third part will be the Baltimore Comic Con, which I will be attending on September 26th. So you'll hear about that in maybe late September, or early October. Between that, I've got at least one episode of 80 Years of DC Comics where I'm going to tackle licensed characters. Um, I'm also going to be heading into westerns, horror, sword and sorcery war and science fiction. Uh, and I'm going to try to get those kind of cranked out over the course of the next month and a half. So look out for those coming soon. and Hopefully I can kind of get back in my rhythm with the podcast episodes and the blog. Until then, of course, you can email me, comment on the Facebook page or comment on the blog if you want to leave me any feedback. And thanks for listening and take care. Maybe You have reached the end of another episode of Pop Culture Affidavit. All music, clips, and other material used in this podcast are the property of their respective copyright holders, and since this podcast is intended for entertainment purposes and I make no money off of it, no infringement is intended. Images, clips, show notes, and essays on other topics random in the world of popular culture can be found at Pop Culture Affidavit, which is located at popcultureaffidavit.com. Feedback can be sent by email to popcultureaffidavit at gmail.com. Pop Culture Affidavit also has a Facebook page, and you can like the podcast at facebook.com slash popcultureaffidavit. This podcast is a proud member of the Two True Freaks Network of Podcasts, which is a division of the Demanzacor of Milan, Italy. You can download this podcast and many other great podcasts at twotruefreaks.com. Want to support this and the other Two True Freaks podcasts? Go to TwoTrueFreaks.com and click the Amazon.com link. It costs you no extra money, but really helps us all out. Thank you for listening, and come back next time for some more pop culture randomness.
1: Um, are you okay? got an hour and a half drive. I've been up since
2: 4.30 this morning. That's fine.
1: <laughs> I saw a little twitch in his eye. <laughs> 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 Who's show are we on now?